the day in which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceedingly glad. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceedingly glad. I'm so glad you took the time out to join us today. Man, we're going to have a great time, a blessed time. But we're not going to be here long. But we just want to make sure that we're, we're, we're uh, celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. Uh, my name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to thank you for joining us this morning here at Ignite Depot as we have a celebration of Christmas. In fact, that's what the word Christmas means. Uh, Christmas, a celebration of Christ. That's you can have Christmas every day of the year because the word Christmas simply means a celebration of Christ. You know, many years ago, people, you know, got in a big debate, you know, is, is Christmas really, was Jesus really born on December the 25th? Was he not born on December the 25th? Man, let's just set the record straight. Jesus was not born on December the 25th. What? Yep, Jesus was not born on December the 25th. You ask the question, why do they celebrate Christmas on December the 25th if Jesus was not born on December the 25th? In fact, when was Jesus born? Based off of history and uh, based off of studies, Jesus was probably born around the month of September of late August in the fall sometime, or late summer, early fall sometime was Jesus actually born. And you ask the question, then why do they celebrate Christmas on December the 25th? Well, actually, it really goes all the way back. And this is also why people call it, you know, Christmas is a pagan holiday. They call it that because during the time early, early in the early church, there was a pagan holiday was celebrated. It was called Saturnalia. Saturnalia, which is actually was a was a popular holiday on the ancient Roman calendar, uh, derived in or from older farming related rituals and midwinter and the winter solace, especially the practice of offering. They was offering gifts or sacrifices to the gods during the winter season so why did they why is christmas around us because during that time many many years ago it was actually there was a pagan holiday that was celebrated during that time and they was offering sacrifice and offerings to the gods at that time well there was a, a pope pope leo the first he was the one who what he wanted to do he wanted to create a celebration that celebrated christ so that christians and followers did not go be get caught up in celebrating and participating in the pagan worship under Satania Leah, and they didn't want Christians to get involved with that. So what did they do? He says, hey, we're going to establish a holiday where we celebrate Christ. We celebrate the fact that Christ was born. So, so people don't get it all twisted. Was Jesus born on December the 25th? No. Why do they celebrate Christmas on December the 25th? It's because it's around the same time that the pagans were celebrating their uh, celebrating gods and the pope pope leo decided pope leo the first decided hey you know what we're going to create a we're going to create a day where we also celebrate our king of kings we're going to say celebrate the lord of lords we're going to celebrate the fact that christ was truly born because scientists and even our uh many people study jesus the man was physically born that's a proven fact People don't have an issue with the fact that Jesus was born. People have an issue with the fact that Jesus is called the Son of God. And, and you know, the, the, if I was to give this message a title, we want to title it because we're not going to hold you very long. We want to give it a title. Jesus is the gift 
that just keeps on giving. Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving. And so, you know, so, you know, the world would like to take Christ out of Christmas. But then I asked the question, how is there Christmas without Christ? It's his birthday. I told someone not long ago, Jesus is the only one who has a birthday and is not even invited to his own party. This Christmas is all about the celebration of Jesus Christ. So you can celebrate it on December 25th. You can celebrate it on July the 7th. You can celebrate it on August the 5th. You can celebrate it on any day of the year. In fact, as believers, as those who are followers of Christ, we actually encourage people, man, celebrate the fact that Christ was born every single day. And hey, if you want to give somebody a gift on top of it, go right ahead, man. You'll still be lining up with the work because ultimately when it's all said and done, what you want to do is acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ was born. Now, we're going to talk about it today after we make this declaration and we're going to jump right in. I know some of y'all still say, what? Jesus wasn't born on the 25th? No, Jesus was not born on December the 25th. We're just going to take it off the table. So you don't go to the family, your family dinners and gatherings and get into arguments with your relatives about, we don't celebrate Christmas because Jesus wouldn't be born on the 25th and it's a pagan holiday. And now you have the answers to those questions. Well, why do you celebrate it on December 25th? And what's the pagan holiday all about? And then you can tell them about it. You can look it up. It, it is an actual fact that that's what was going on at the time. And it's actual factual that Pope Leo I was the one who established the celebration of Christmas around the December 25th time frame. So there you go. Now, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the gift that just keeps on giving. Let's make this declaration in the name of Jesus. For the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain, the open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, to oil for joy for mourning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall shall build the waste cities, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father God in heaven, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to you alone, we give the glory, we give the honor, we give the praise that is due your name. Father, we thank you that this is the day in which you have made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad. Father, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the miracle signs and wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. We pray that our preaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it, the people's faith will lie in a demonstration of spirit and power and a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, move up and down each and every airway, touch each and every household right now in the name of Jesus. Father, may you be glorified in all that we say and do. All of you and none of me, I decrease that you may increase. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles on the tables, on the hearts of those who will hear. Give them ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts open and ready to receive. The engrafted word of God shall ultimately change their lives forever. And it's in your son Christ Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. Well, glory to God. Now that we got now that you are here and we're going to talk about Christ, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Say that to turn to your name and say, neighbor, Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving. And then turn to yourself and say, hey, I want to let you know that Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving. Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving. In fact, it says all the, it says in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this. It says, the thief, talking about your adversary, 
only comes for what three reasons he comes to steal he comes to kill he comes to destroy but jesus says but i came i came that you might have life not only that you might have life but you, that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So when Jesus came, even though your adversary is here to try to steal, kill, and destroy from you, the the main reason why Jesus came, he came to give you life. Not the not the white picket fences and three uh, two dogs and three kids and a, and a spouse, but he's talking about, I came to give you the God kind of life. Not just life that as the world sees it, but I came to give you the God kind of life. How do you know? Because Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says this. He says, the son of man has come to seek. He actually is diligently seeking and to save that which was lost. Now, when you talk about Jesus came to, to seek and save the lost, we're going to talk about what does the word save mean? A lot of times when people hear the word save, they automatically assume you're just talking about salvation. It includes salvation, but it's not limited to salvation. It also, that word salvation, save means is from the greek word sozo which means heal means to deliver means to uh, uh make whole it also means to protect it says so jesus came to heal jesus came to deliver jesus came to make whole jesus came to protect and yes and jesus also came to give you salvation to those who were lost now he also is here to preserve you he is here to preserve you. Now, the awesome thing about God is, is that God always declares the end from the very beginning. He always declares the end from the very beginning. He actually said that in Isaiah chapter 46 and 10. He says, I came to declare the end from the very beginning. He says, declaring the end from end and the result from the beginning. And from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure and purpose. So he's saying, I declare the end from the very beginning. God always declares the end from the very beginning. So let's talk about when did he begin, when did he declare Jesus in the first place? When, when was the first mention about Jesus? And we're going to find out not only he was declared from the very beginning, but we're going to find out why he had to come. Remember, he says, I came to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. And he says, I actually came to seek and save that which lost. Well, how did they get lost in the first place? Well, in order to find that, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. What's the, the beginning? All the way back to the book of Genesis. Well, so turn with me, if you will, back to Genesis chapter one. We're going to talk about Jesus, who is the gift that just keeps on giving. Man, I'm so excited about that. Let's talk about that. Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving. Now, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. It says, I'm reading out the Amplified Version. It says this. It says, and God said, let us, talking about the Father, talking about the Son, and talking about the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and... Uh, the beast and over all the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and in his, in his own image and in the image and likeness of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, 
and subdue it using all its vast resources in the services of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. So God's original plan for man from the very beginning was to give him a dominion and to give him authority that it would be on earth just like it is in heaven. So God created the heavens and the earth. God kept the kept the heavens and he gave the earth unto man. And when he gave the earth unto man, he gave that man authority. He gave that man dominion but he also gave that man a command. And see, the thing about God is God never just gives you something and doesn't tell you how you're supposed to operate in it, what the boundaries are for operating in it. And that's the awesome thing about God's word. You know, God's word doesn't take into account emotions or anything like that. He speaks his word. And when he gives his word, regardless of what the situation and circumstance it is, God changes not. People may change, situation and circumstances may change, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, he's created Adam, and, and from Adam, he, he, he says, I'm, I have blessed you. He says, I have given you authority. I have given you the dominion, and I want you to operate in the earth just like it is in heaven because I made you in my image. You look like me, and in my likeness, you can, you can perform things just like me. Now, but he gave Adam a command. This is the command he gave unto Adam in Genesis chapter two, verse 15. It says, and the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend to it and to guard it. So he was supposed to cultivate the garden. He was supposed to guard the garden and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may freely eat of every tree of this garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and of blessing and calamity, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Now, that word die does not mean physically die, even though that eventually happened. But that word die means that you will be separated from God or you will be separated from God's way of doing things. See, the thing about it is, is, is when God established the earth, he not only created Adam, he not only, he not only blessed him, he not only created the atoms, all the animals and all the birds and all the fish of the sea and the, and, and, uh, the birds of the air and everything, the creepers on the earth and, and everything. He didn't only create, but when God created the heavens and the earth, he also had a system. The, he had a system which is known as the kingdom of God or God's rule, ram, and rulership. In other words, it's God's way of doing things and being right. Everything with God, everything with God, he has a a kingdom dominion or he has a way in which he does everything nothing with god just happens nothing with you just happens so he told adam when he created adam and he placed him in the garden god's system or god's way of doing things because adam was created in god's image and because he was created in god's likeness was already operating on the inside of adam so Adam would only operate in the earth the same way that God operated in heaven. That's very important that you remember that because if you don't understand that point, then you won't understand what happened next. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. They look like him, 
They, and he all created them in likeness. They operated on the earth just like God operated in the heavens. When, when Adam, after God created all the animals, when he wanted to name the animals, he brought the animals to Adam. And it says that whatever name that Adam gave the animals, that was the name of the animal. So when you when God brought presented the, this animal and, and Adam called it a horse, and that's what that animal was from that day forward. It was a horse. It was a giraffe. It was a, a falcon. It was an eagle. Whatever it is, God, uh, whatever it is that Adam called it, that's what it was because Adam was created in God's image. He was created in God's likeness. He operated just like God. It's important that you remember that. So when you read this next part, you'll understand what really happened and why Jesus, the gift that just keeps on giving, had to come. He says this, he says, now Adam is in the garden. And by this time, Adam has Eve. So Adam, when God created Adam, he created Adam. And from Adam, he took a rib from Adam's side and he made a woman. Her name, and Adam called her Eve. So now you have a man and you have a, a male and you have a female. That's exactly what God said. I, a, a male and female, he created him. He carried him, male and female, created he them. So when he created the man, he also had the woman with, was all everything created that would go into the woman was everything that was already inside of the man. And he pulled a woman from the rib from his side and made or formed the woman. He did not pull her from his head for her to rule over him. He did not pull her from his foot for him to have dominion over her. He pulled her, the rib from the side and they, they, they were equal. They were equal. As they, when they operated in the kingdom of God, they were equal. And let's find out what happened to change not only Adam's situation, but also change that relationship between the man and the female. Are you ready? Here we go. It says this now, now the serpent, this is, I'm in uh, Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says this, and the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the, and the serpent said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you should not eat from any of the trees of the garden. Now listen to this. God had already told her that you could eat of every tree of the garden except the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The adversary, he didn't really know what God said to him. So he came to them to try to what? To try to tempt them or to try to present a different scenario to them to see if they will keep what it is God said or if they would not. He does the exact same thing with you and me today. He, God, we might have a word of what the word of God says, and he will try to present a different scenario or try to convince you that what God said is not really what's going to happen. Let's go on and find out. He says, you should not eat from every, he said, you should not eat from any tree of the garden. Then the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree, from the tree of the uh, garden, we shall eat, may eat, but from the tree, from the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat from it, nor shall you touch it or you will die. Now, already you see where there's an issue. She added to what it is God had already said, because he didn't say anything about touching. He says, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. What did the adversary say? What did the serpent say? Remember, he only has three modes, steal, kill, and destroy. What did he say? 
It says, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The only trouble with that was God had already created them in his image. He had already created them in his likeness. They were already like God. All they knew was God and God's way of doing things. At some point in time, he probably would have talked to them about the knowledge of good and evil. But at this point, the only thing that they needed to focus on was the fact that God was good and operating according to God's way of doing things by cultivating that garden and keeping it and guarding it. Now, when, he, when the serpent said this to the woman, when the woman saw that, because your adversary is always going to use three avenues to try to tempt you. He's going to try to tempt you with the lust of the eyes, something that looks good. He's going to try to tempt you with the pride of life, something, uh, or, or he's going to try to tempt you. Let me, before I say that next one, he's going to try to tempt you with the lust of the flesh, something that might be good to your flesh. So it may look good to your eye. It may appear to be something that's going to be good to your flesh, but the one that gets more people in it in this time gets more people than ever is the pride of life. Something that's going to make you look good. So when she saw, when the woman, when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, and, and she saw that, that it was a delight to the eyes. So she saw something that was lust to the eye, the lust of the uh, flesh, and then the second, and, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. That is the uh, pride of life. She took from its fruit and ate. And then she turned and gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, what did God say? The moment you eat of this fruit, you partake of that fruit, he says, you shall surely die. What happened? Then the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig trees together and made themselves lowering covers. Now, the interesting thing about that is, is when they first, when God first presented Eve to Adam, they were already naked. It says they were naked and they were not ashamed. And what happened the moment they broke the commandment that God gave them about not partaking of that fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, what happened? It exactly what God said was going to happen. They died. How did they die? Spiritually. What happened? They separated themselves from God's way of doing things. They went from having revelation knowledge to turn it over. And now they have physical knowledge based off of the things that they seen because they were naked already. When they partook of that fruit, the first thing that happened was shame showed up. How do you know shame showed up? Because they saw that each other was naked and they was ashamed. So what did they do? They went and ran to try to cover themselves. Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid from the presence of God. So what was the next thing that happened? After shame came on to them, and now when they heard God walking through the cooler today, what did they do? They took off running in fear. What has happened? They have gone from God's way of doing things, the kingdom of God, and they have been translated or transitioned over into the kingdom of darkness or the world's way of doing things or living by their five physical senses. They have disconnected themselves 
from God's way of doing things. They have separated themselves from the kingdom of God. Now, you are going to find out here in a minute why that's important to you and I. It's, it goes on, it says, it says, they hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord said, uh, then the Lord called to the man, Adam, and said, where are you? And, and Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. What happens when people get into sin? What happens when people uh, miss the mark? What happens when people are operating in iniquity and transgressions? But one of the first things that they want to do is they want to run from the presence of God when they should be running to God. Why? Because God loves them. See, there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you, no matter what you do. You can live the wildest kind of life. Guess what happens? God will not stop loving you. He won't condone everything that you do. And there's consequences that come as a result of the decisions that you make, but it will not make God stop loving you. Now, what is interesting when God, Adam said this to God, he says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. So he knows fear showed up. There is no fear in God because God, there is no fear in God because perfect love cast out all fear. And it says this, it says, and I was afraid so I, because I was naked. This is what God says to him. Who told you that you was naked? In other words, how do you know that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? In other words, you, there's no way you would have known you was naked unless you disobeyed what it is I told you to do. And now because you have separated yourself from my way of doing things, now you're operating in a whole different kingdom, or a whole different a ram rule and rulership, no longer uh, ran by God, but now is, is operated by your adversary, Satan, who, again, he has three MOs to kill. He's going to come to steal. He's going to come to uh, kill and he's going to come to destroy. So he came to try to steal that word that Adam and Eve had out of their heart. The moment he was able to steal that word out of their heart through deception, then he's, he presented an opportunity for them to, to kill their hopes, to kill their dreams, and, and, and ultimately to destroy their life or to destroy God's plan for their life. But can anybody say, but God, but God will never be outdone. It says this in verse, uh, in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, after, because as a result of the decisions that Adam made, as a result of the decisions that Eve made, as a result of the decisions that the serpent made, there are consequences that came with it. And this was the consequence. And this is what he told, he's what he told the adversary. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and between her seed and her seed talking about talking about Jesus you shall bruise your head but you shall bruise his heel in other words he's saying Satan you 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 did this but I already had a I had a solution before there was ever a problem and and the seed that's going to come through this woman he's going to come and even though you may bruise his heel he's going to crush your head or he's going to crush the authority that you believe that you have in the earth. And he legally had authority. And the way that the adversary legally got that authority was Adam turned it over to him when he disobeyed God. It says in the book of Romans, I believe it's in, in chapter six, it says, whom you yield your servants to, those who you are, you become servants to. 
if you yield yourself to righteousness, you become servants of righteousness, are the God of righteousness. But if you yield yourself to sin, you become service to sin. That that is a a biblical. That is a uh, a um, that is a biblical principle. There's no getting around it. And when people get off into sin, what happens is they run from God when they should be running to God. And people say, well, if that's the case, why did God put Adam and Eve out of the garden? Because he loved them. Because there was another tree that was in that garden also, and it's called the tree of life. And if Adam and Eve would have, the, if you read on in verse three, in chapter three, it says that God seraphims to guard that tree. Why? Because if Adam and Eve would have partaken of that tree, they would have stayed in that fallen state and there was no chance for him to redeem them back from that fallen state. See, God is always, always, always looking to try to get good to you. It says in, in Romans chapter two, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's God's goodness that causes people to want to turn from what it is they've been doing and turn to God's way of doing things. Can I get one amen out there in the name of Jesus? Now, going on, because we're going to, we're about to wrap up here in a few minutes. But what does that have to do with the fact that Jesus was born? Well, that seed that God was talking about, that the seed of the woman, because you know a woman doesn't have a seed that comes from the man, that seed when he was talking about was Jesus. He was, he was speaking Jesus into the earth at that moment. He says, your, your seed, Satan, will bruise his heel, but the seed is going to come through this woman. It's going to crush your head or it's going to crush the little bit of authority that you believe that you have right now. And it did not happen overnight. But how many people know God never changes his mind? And for centuries after centuries, the, the prophets kept prophesying and talking about this king, this child that's going to be born. This child is going to be born. This child is going to be born. And this is what that child is going to do. So remember, God declares the end from the very beginning. So God told way back in Genesis, this is what's going to happen. I know Satan, you think you won right now, but the fight ain't over because the, 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 the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has come in and he's going to crush your head. He's going to crush your kingdom and your kingdom will be underneath his feet in the name of Jesus. So let's talk about, well, what happened? Life will continue to go on. They kept speaking, 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 speaking that Jesus was going to come and then all the way in Isaiah chapter nine. This is the one that so many people quote every single year talking about this child, this child that's going to be born. But we're going to take it a step further today. This child is born. If you turn with me over to Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, because God, I say that God is a promise keeper. He's a way maker. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a financier. Remember, Jesus came to preserve you. He came to deliver you. He came to protect you. He came to save you. He came to make you whole in the name of Jesus. Now it says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, it says this, it says, for unto us, a child is born. And that child's name is what? Jesus. Unto us, a child is born. And that child's name is Jesus. But also to us, a son is given. What was the name of the son? The son's name is Christ. Jesus was the, what the man Jesus was, was born, but Christ 
the son of God was given. How do you know? John chapter three, verse 16 says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on the son shall have everlasting life. It didn't, it says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through his son might be saved, healed, delivered, preserved, protected, and made whole. Are you seeing this picture right here? Glory to God. It says unto us, a child, Jesus, the word is born. And unto us, the son Christ is given and the government or the kingdom shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful. That one word wonderful means miracle. It means it is, is miracle is a marvelous thing. That word counselor means he's an advisor. He goes on and says, he is a mighty God, means he's powerful. He's an everlasting father, means there is no end. He's a father of eternity. He is the prince of peace. That word peace means well. It means whole. It means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. All these things is wrapped up in that little baby that we celebrate on Christmas Day, whose name is Jesus, or another, they call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So it says, and of the increase of his government or his kingdom and of the and of peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice. So the kingdom of God is upheld with justice and righteousness. The kingdom of God is upheld with justice and righteousness, but the kingdom of darkness, our Satan's way of do doing things, is upheld by unrighteousness and unjustness, and he, he believed that his kingdom would last forever, but it's not. So when Jesus showed up on the scene, it was, it was the beginning of the adversary's end. It was his beginning uh, it was the beginning of the end for the adversary or in his kingdom or his authority he once had. Remember, he says that when he would come, Satan would bruise his heel, but the, but Jesus would crush his head or crush his authority. And it also says this, it says, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, it's now, oh, that's awesome. It was prophesied that that's what was going to happen. It was prophesied by the uh, prophet Isaiah that says this was what was going to happen when the child Jesus uh, and the son Christ was going to be born and given into the earth and, and that he was going to reestablish a kingdom or he was going to reestablish back in the earth, back to the children of God, what Adam had lost. What did Adam lost? He lost dominion. He lost authority. He lost the opportunity to operate it according to God's way of doing things. And what Jesus was going to come to do is he was going to come and reestablish it back into the earth. He was going to give, he was going to give back everything that Adam had lost. He was coming to give it all back to you. He was coming to give it all back to me. It's the greatest gift that just keeps on giving. In him, in that child is healing. In that child is peace. In that child is deliverance. In that child is wholeness. In that child is protection. All those things was all wrapped up in that swaddling clothing, laying in the, laying in the manger, the son, 
the, the child born, his name was Jesus. The son that was given his name is Christ. And it says in Luke chapter 1, 26, it says this. And in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mouth what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, but thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. How many people could say same thing? The angel announced the same thing that Josh, that uh, Isaiah had prophesied. And Isaiah prophesied the same thing that God had told the adversary. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And he says, I have made, God says, Jesus told his mother as he was going to the cross, mom, I came to make all things new. I came to restore back to you everything that was lost, everything that was taken, everything that was stolen. I came to give you the kingdom. And I also came to give you peace peace that shall have no end not peace as the world give you do i give you but peace the peace of god and peace with god where there's nothing missing there's nothing broken there's nothing lacking and what did jesus do when he was born and as he grew up and when he began his ministry he preached one minute he preached one message he says the kingdom of god is at hand the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel of what? That the kingdom of God is at hand. So you ask the question, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we have a celebration of Christ even in, in the month of December or on the month of July or in the month of October or the, in the middle of May? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because God is a promise keeper. And because the gift of God that he gave to the world was his only begotten son. And that gift is the gift that just keeps on giving. There is no end to that gift. And his, that gift's name is Jesus. And that, and that son that was given his name is Christ. And he came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. It's a gift. Just like you have gifts under the tree right now, Christ is the, Jesus was the gift that was given to the world. And he says, it is by grace are you saved through faith, not of your own work. It is a gift of God. No matter how many good deeds you do, you can never earn this gift. But God says, I've given this gift to you freely. He says, all you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is receive it. How do you receive it? I'm so glad you asked because it's the easiest thing you could do. And this is what you do. 
It says, in accordance to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, the word of God is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you could, will confess or acknowledge with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What's that word save mean? Healed, delivered, preserved, protected, made whole. He says, he says, for with the mouth man can believe, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto healing, wholeness, salvation, perseverance, completeness. All those things are made available to you. And all you have to do, like a, like a free gift that you would do under the tree, all you have to do is open up your heart and receive it right now. I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer with me to receive the gift that just keeps on giving. It's the greatest gift of all. His name is Jesus. His son is Christ. And he came to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. Pray this prayer with me. Confess it with you. Say it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he, he is alive. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord. I receive your offer of forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive the free gift of salvation right now in Jesus' name. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God, welcome you back into right fellowship with God, and welcome you in back in right position with God. Now, what do you have to do? What do you do next? Man, you need to find a good word-based church that teaches about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It also teaches about the love of God and how to operate according to the kingdom of God. We believe Ignite to Life is that place for you. So if you're looking for a church home and you're in the Greeley, Ottawa area, we invite you to come join us every Sunday morning right now and at 9.30, but it's a great announcement that's going to be coming soon about our service times. And it's also, uh, if you're too far away and you can only catch us online, we're here every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We'd love to have you join us in the name of Jesus. And if you are in an area, I would invite you to try to find a local church in your area. Man, every sheep, every sheep needs a shepherd. Every person needs somebody who can teach them about the death, uh, teach them about the word of God, not only what the word says, but how to apply it to their everyday life. So on behalf of Minister Juin and myself and the entire Ignite to Life Depot Nation, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a blessed and prosperous new year. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.